0: Even the phrase, age with grace, to me, speaks to becoming an adult, speaks to becoming a more full human, which is really, the the question was designed to induce, what would it mean to live into the fullness of your humanity? And it means, in a sense, based on your words, Going beyond the need, the guilt-driven need to be dependable, consistent, reliable, stepping into the enjoyment of being dependable, reliable, right? And really fully feeling that, not motivated necessarily by how people will feel about you. And then from that place, age with grace.
1: Welcome to The Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to The Reboot Podcast. I'm Dan Putt. I had a conversation with a client recently where he lamented about the struggles with his bursting at the seams inbox. What's most important, I asked him. Well, today actually... I felt like I did exactly what I'm supposed to do as a CEO. And yet I feel awful because I didn't have time to touch my inbox. And I have so many people that are waiting for me to get back to them. And what's so important about getting back to them? I asked him again. Because I'm someone who is dependable and reliable and always available. I cannot leave people waiting for a response, he said. So again, I asked, so what's most important? Take a look at your last week. Think about the moments where you have felt some sort of guilt. Guilt about your inbox. Guilt about your schedule. Guilt about anything, really. Those times of guilt are likely pointing you to a personal value that you hold dear. and a rule or set of rules that you would applied to protect those values in your life. To protect that identity. I'm dependable and available, you might say. Therefore, I always respond to messages quickly. I'm guessing you'll also see a repeated pattern of beating yourself up. Hey, I'm not responding to messages quickly enough. I'm letting everyone down. For me, this often shows up in my unwillingness to ask for help. I value dependability, reliability, and contribution. And my rule is I can handle or figure out whatever is thrown my way. So the calendar events and the inbox messages pile up. Things get slowed or stopped because I'm overwhelmed. And I feel tremendous guilt and shame. I'm letting everyone down and I need to be better. I need to do more. I need to catch up. But is that true? What would it look like to honor the values I hold to be true and important, to aspire to living them out in every moment, and treat myself with some grace? What if the rules are actually holding me back from living out the very values I hold dear? Samil Shah is a man with no shortage of responsibilities and a real shortage of time. He's also a man who deeply values dependability, reliability, and availability. But he finds himself caught between an extremely busy career as an investor, an extremely busy home life as the father of three young kids, and a man striving to be dependable and available 100% of the time. How can he reconcile that? And what if exploring this very question may open a path for him to becoming an even better investor, father, and man? Enjoy this conversation with Samuel Shaw and Jerry Colonna. I wish I could tell anybody who's like in that place of they're stuck and they're tired and they're scared and they're lonely. And you could name a thousand other emotions or feelings. Like I just wish that I could tell them that there is a way to see Mm -hmm. yourself through that. And yes, Mm -hmm. you have to walk through it (laughs) and do the (laughs) work. And there is something there for you that will bring you the most amazing life that you've ever had. Are you in the midst of a major life change and feeling alone in the quagmire of feelings? Are you longing for more meaning in your personal or professional life? Or are you already in the midst of the turmoil and excitement of a business or role transition? The Reboot Quest is a truly one-of-a-kind experience to support startup CEOs, founders, and leaders are confronted with personal and professional questions that simply won't go away. This September 6th through 14th, join Reboot Guides Jim Marsden and Jade Shear for a one-of-a-kind nine-day adventure in Wolf Creek, Montana. You'll return with the more authentic self emerging, seeing more clearly your work to be done in the world. To learn more and apply for the Reboot Quest, go to reboot.io/quest.
0: Hey Samil, how are you? It's good to hey, see Jerry. you again.
2: Good to see you.
0: Yeah. So um, thanks for coming back on the show. And and you know before we
2: plunge in, why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Samil Shaw. Uh, in a work context, I, I run a small fund called Haystack. I live in Menlo Park uh, and have three little kids, which you you may hear one of them in the background.
0: Hmm. So you're a dad as and and uh, as well as a as an investor.
2: Son, husband, dad of 3. Yeah. Very and very fortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming back on the show and and um thanks too for opening up both in the last episode and really just um allowing yourself to to come on and and just have a conversation and And so you know the the core question I think I would ask you is what would be helpful to have a conversation about for you
2: I think there there are two areas to explore, and you and I have talked about them a little bit um probably unrelated so one would just be around this idea of you could call it analytically calendar management, but in real conversation is kind of flaking in and out of meetings and all the all this the stress and sort of coordination that comes from taking lots of meetings and kind of moving around. And then the second topic would be more around the kind of anchoring effects of how, how you're judged in the business and how you try to prove um, to other people when other people may have doubts um, that you may know what you're doing. Um, and then the, the reality of that, which is I think a lot of people don't don't know what they're doing. And, and people don't want to hear that.
0: Well, that that sounds wonderful. I think we can have a, a really fun conversation about that. Tell me about this quote
2: "flaking out." What does that mean to you? Um, the way I was raised, which I, you know, I I think um, there's some good elements and some costs to it. Which is, you know, you show up early. You show up five minutes early. Um, if you say you're going to show up somewhere, you show up somewhere. You stick to your commitment if you're going to meet a friend or a colleague or whatever. And I think that's how I was trained and raised, and I think there's a lot of good in that. In the venture world and in the Bay Area where it's so dynamic and you can meet all these great people and you have to build your network and blah, 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 you can really shift that there's a lot of pressure on your schedule. And one of the things that bothers me is there's many cases in which, especially this year, I had to just um, say to people, no, I can't meet, or no, I have to push this off and push this off. And um, it, it definitely – I wish I had the personality where I could just roll off my my shoulders. But like, I felt like it c- carried a little bit of – I guess you could call it a little bit of guilt. Um, yeah. Guilt and any anxiety? No, I don't think anxiety. It just was more like, hey, I want to be – Known as dependable to my friends and available and willing to meet and not, you know, quote too important or quote too busy enough to meet, but there was just like I was really crunched for time this year, and so I felt like oh I don't want to let other people down or think that I'm inaccessible or I had a few friends tell me like oh hey I haven't you know reach out to you to catch up because I know you're so busy, um, so yeah that part I don't say anxiety but just more guilt.
0: So let's just hang out there for a moment. Mm -hmm. And as you may recall from the first conversation, I make people slow down and feel uh, those feelings that are a little bit hard that we sometimes want to intellectualize our way past. Right. And if I remember correctly, because I'm remembering some of the email dialogue, I, I said something to you regarding being flaky. Uh, that stuck with you. What did I say?
2: You said, "Hey, come on, we're all flakes.
0: We're all flakes." <laughs> yeah. What? Well, and you're laughing, which makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you, what, when I, yeah, yeah. Tell you, me.
2: When you sent that email back, I kind of felt like we were at a bar, and you were slapping me across the back as you were leaving, and you're like, "Come on, like, why? Why do you still?" This isn't important enough to feel guilt around. Yeah. yeah, Don't worry about it.
0: (laughs) Now, you know what I'm feeling right now? Some real warmth in my chest. Because we haven't had a lot of conversations and dialogue. Mm -hmm. But the feeling I wanted you to have came through. Mm. This isn't important enough to feel guilty about. It's interesting and curious. Mm. And because it's Jerry, I'm not going to like hang out and ignore the curiosity here because it's kind of fun. Mm. But, I, but I do want you to have that feeling of giving yourself a little bit of a break. Mm.
2: I think a lot of it is rooted in just a, a behavior compounded over years of, you know, showing up to class five minutes early or, you know, always doing assignments on time. And th- there's a lot of good in that. But I think that I'm I'm just getting around to the point um, mentally where I'm like, that's eh, OK if that didn't happen.
0: Well, let's let's hang out with um, the positives and negatives of yeah. having a view that says one can't be flaky. One must like show up on time all
2: the time, every time. Um, what are some of the positives of that? and I should be clear I think the positives outweigh the negatives sure overall overall but I think that people will will see you as being dependable you can manage your time and expectations with other people um it forces you to respect other people's time I think that for, forces some or, or encourages an efficiency yeah, I would say those are those are the main things. Just a, a lot of reinforcement around those things. So so so
0: let's broadly talk about these in sort of two kind of buckets. One bucket is um by having this point of view and having this attitude and really living into that attitude or living up to that aspiration you you have a kind of an effectiveness to your life. You have a kind of productivity. There's a kind of um, efficiency. That's one thing. Another thing is that it's a demonstrated expression of respect for the other person. Am I hearing those two things correctly? Yes. Okay. And then there's this really curious one. People will see you as dependable. Mm-hmm hold that point of view. How important is it for you to be seen
2: as dependable? Uh, good, good scalpel incision, Jerry. Uh, it's very important to me. Why? Um, uh, it, it's important because that I, I guess I take pride in that. I take pride in if someone reaches out to me that I'll at least get back to them in some form. Um, And that it's how I wish a lot of people would interact in general. Um, So I want to at least make sure that if I've made a connection with somebody, even if it's loose, if they reach out, maybe I can't meet, maybe I can't talk on the phone, but I'll at least kind of get back to you. Um, And I, I hear feedback from a lot of people that they view me that way and I like being viewed that way Um, and I like being in the game that deeply where you know hey I get back to you
0: so let's go back to the bar and your friend Jerry's just clapped you in the back and said dude we're all flicks and there is a positive feeling that you have when you hear that what's the feeling and con- and and compare and contrast that feeling to, oh, Samil's a flake. Those two feelings.
2: The the kind of virtual pat on the back at the bar, where it's like, hey, don't worry about it. Is that, um, hey, this doesn't rise to the the level of um, something that you should carry around with you. Um, and so, you know, don't don't worry about it. You're not perfect. You're not you're gonna let some people down and you can't please everybody, blah, okay. blah, blah. So, so let's stay there for a moment.
0: So yeah. I'm I'm giving you that feeling with that yeah. email. Yeah. What is it that I'm thinking of you? Um how important is it that you not be flaky in that moment?
2: Huh. Um, hmm, I'm not. I have to think about that. I um. I I here's how I think of it. I think of it as like, hey, you you can't have a perfect record of keeping all your meetings, and you're gonna, you're you're not gonna hit a hundred percent dependability score with other people, and you're probably doing great, and don't worry about it, and you know, focus on something
0: bigger. <clears throat> And do I like you regardless? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take that in. Yeah. Yeah, there's a softness that just occurred for you there.
2: Yeah, and I think as it translates into, let's say, quote, work, um, is that people you do make commitments to or that you do want to help or have helped you and you just physically don't have the time in that period of time it is a bit of a letdown for me where I feel like I want to have 100% dependability score. Um,
0: In order to have people feel what
2: about you? That I will at least hear them and get back to them, even if it's a two or three line text. But Be
0: more, be more simplistic. Is it a positive feeling about you or a negative feeling about you?
2: I, w- I would say it's toward positive, but it's more about like, um, like a command line where, where it's like they can punch uh, in punch in a code and, and I know what response and I
0: know what I'm going to get and he's dependable and he's yeah. reliable. Yes, and and so therefore, I'm imagining I like him.
2: Yeah, or that he can be helpful. He right? can be and helpful. He, maybe maybe in the moment they don't. I don't know. Yeah. So
0: what I'm I'm struck by, so, you know, again, we were talking about the sort of two different buckets of this, like one Mm -hmm. bucket is um, to be effective and efficient, to be productive and to be really good at the work that I'm trying to do in the world. It's important for me to be reliable and consistent and predictable in my meeting obligations and that sort of thing. And I think that that is a true statement. It's kind of like what comes to mind is, You know, I'm a crazy obsessed with zero inbox. So I actually, you know, to me, I think it's funny that everybody celebrates zero inbox because I achieve zero inbox every day. Right? (laughs) It's just because the way I am. But I don't do it. I mean, I guess I just pronounced it to the world, but I don't do it so that people sort of see me. It's just because I do it because that's just the way I'm organized. the way my brain is organized. What I, what I'm so there's that aspect. But then there's this, I want people to see me in a particular way. And I want them to regard me in a particular way. And you asked before, we were talking about two different pieces. And the second piece, say again what the second piece that you wanted to talk about today.
2: Around the anchoring? Yeah. Yeah, so I think um the context here is, um I, I, you know, having now... Little less than five years of investment experience. Uh, it's it's still hard to know what the shape of the results are going to be, and so in in lieu of that, as you're trying to advance your career, um, people are going to question and, and look at you know qu- question your your choices over that time and look at proxies um, for for trying to figure out the shape of the result, and I think that. Um, something we talked about that I that I heard in re-listening to the first podcast um, was this element of um, a desire to be uh, seen as or perceived of or thought of as being, let's say not great, but at least good at this. And how do, how do you get contorted into uh, trying to prove that to a lot of people when well, the majority so of people don't want to believe it? Yeah. Right.
0: So let's hang out there. Right. Because there's this other belief that not only are we all flakes, but there's a realization that we all don't know what we're doing. And yet the the feeling that I'm hearing is that you want people to see you in the absence of IRR, in the absence of actual cash on cash return. You want people to see you as an effective investor.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I also would just, just to clarify on the dependability mm-hmm. part, I actually get a lot of joy from it that people, you know, it, it's not, it's not a trick. It's actually, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And so, so I, I like being, I like that attribute. Yeah. I, I,
0: you know, it, 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 some of the most troublesome aspects of our characterological structure aren't necessarily the negative aspects. They're troublesome, not because they're negative. They're troublesome because they're quite positive, Mm. but then can create this sort of negative undertone depending on how we approach them. So I want to be seen as, seen as, there's that operative word again, that operative phrase. I want people to perceive me, to regard me as dependable. But all of a sudden, my friend Jerry slaps me on the back and says it's okay i like you i regard you well even if occasionally you have to cancel a meeting in fact i would never have used the word flake except in response to you having said to me i feel flaky
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so there's that and if we if we if we link that to this other sense of what you're calling the anchoring mm-hmm. i want to be seen there's that phrase again yeah as effective I take enormous pride in being effective right plus it's financially rewarding plus it's fun it's intellectually stimulating it's all those positive things but I have to be a little careful because it can induce and here's the commonality I want to be seen as I feel guilty if I'm not
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right there's the commonality and it's There's nothing wrong with being guilty about having done something wrong. But the twisty and the source of discomfort might stem from the belief that you showing up five minutes late instead of five minutes early is wrong.
2: You see it? Yeah, I I think it's. It, it's partly wrong, but it's also partly I just want to um, be clear in my language with other people, too. So if I say, like, I kind of want my words to mean, mean something as well. Um, I, and hear, I, think I, do. I hear a beautiful aspirational value. Yeah. And it was Dr. Seuss
0: who, who I think he was writing in Horton, uh, Horton the Elephant, you know, mean what you say and say what you mean. Exactly. Right It's a really powerful aspiration. It's a powerful value. So the question for you, Samil, is what happens when life happens? You know, before we started recording, we were both joking about your I guess it's your daughter, yes, who is now experiencing the joy of saying no <laughs> to going to preschool. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> what happens when life happens and the plans go awry yeah. for nothing more, for no other reason than life happening?
2: So this, this is a good question. So a couple of things tactically I did around this. So one is I just kind of set a schedule with someone to help me manage it. And I blocked out um, specific things, especially around the morning since mm-hmm. these occurrences happened. So I just kind of stopped that. Uh, to begin with, and then um, you know what, what ends up happening with young kids. And uh, I'm really, actually, I feel great about this. Um, you know, we had our nanny was very sick for a while, or when, something happened where my wife couldn't go to work, and you know, you have these blips in the schedule where, when you have young kids, your schedule just gets completely crushed. Say that um, again. Your schedule will just get crushed when right? you and have,
0: it, and and yes, it's like, yeah. at a moment's notice, your schedule is like completely right. awry. Right.
2: And and what what ends up happening is that even the last couple weeks, I've had to cancel a ton of meetings, and I just kind of say, like, you know, hey, so-and-so is out, and and people really like, they're like, I totally understand, don't worry about it. Um, So that makes me feel good, too, because I think a lot of people were like, oh, I hope she's feeling better, I hope things work out. And so as long as I get back to people and kind of say, hey, got to cancel because of X... I feel like an obligation to do that, Um, but I don't. I don't mind that. Yeah, it it, it sounds beautiful. I mean, I just ask for forgiveness and move on.
0: Well, and 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 what I think you're giving them goes beyond the opportunity to forgive you. What you're giving them is a a meaningful connection for empathy. See, this is the piece that I think people get lost around. Is Mm -hmm. if I walk in and I reveal my brokenness or my, the ways in which I have disappointed either myself or others, a funny thing happens. A friend claps us on the back and, and doesn't say, yeah, everybody's flaky. What did I say? What was the pronoun I used? We. We, yeah. And I remember when we rescheduled this call and my subject line was, now it's my turn to be flaky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. You gave me by saying i'm sorry i feel flaky you gave me the opportunity to step into your shoes and to feel again what it feels like to disappoint and all of a sudden this relationship which we've had kind of over twitter kind of over email kind of over this skype call from a pot for a podcast all of a sudden it for me it took a whole new turn to, oh, this is my friend.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree.
0: So this is maybe counterintuitive. But if you reveal that you're not necessarily the world's greatest investor, you're not the worst investor, but that your performance will probably be better than average, but only better than average and not perfect. And that your performance as a friend, as a reliable friend, will probably be better than average. But the thing that I can hear you stepping into is relaxing the rules for yourself so that you can also allow this other part to emerge, which is hey, I'm broken and it's okay. Or I'm yeah. going to miss this meeting, and yeah. it's okay.
2: Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten there, so I feel good about that, and I uh, I'll just tell people and kind of say would love to pursue this in a few months or or you know I, I, at least as I can get back to people. Mm. I feel good. I don't feel like I'm obligated beyond that. Mm. And
0: and what is it that um, contrasts that feeling to the worry that perhaps you had, uh, around appearing a particular way?
2: Um, I think that if, if you have a close relationship as an investor with the founders early and you're not there just even over text, um, they're not going to think negatively, but the relationship can, can change. And if you're, if you, if they start thinking of you or, or your behavior trains them to think of you as not dependable or flaky or not going to get back to you in those critical moments, they may not call you for that advice. And that's the real fun part. Um, you want to get that phone call. You want to hear them kind of going back and forth on a plane trying to close something. And uh, I like being a part of that.
0: Okay, so, so let's hold that wish, and I'm going to ask you to do something I didn't prepare you for. Um, remember the pot, the, uh, the blog post you wrote following the last podcast. Yes. Can you bring that one up?
2: Okay. Um, let me check here
0: and I want you to go down to the four questions. Okay. And I want you to read the first question and then read your response and then we'll talk about that.
2: Okay. So the first question was, what kind of man do I want to be? And my response was, um, beyond the basics of providing for and caring for my family, friends, and colleagues, I want to inspire others around me to have confidence in my dependability. Huh. Huh. Look at that. (laughs) I may not say things that they want to hear, but I hope to be consistent. I want to focus on fewer things and pay them the attention they deserve. I want to age with grace while staying as close as I can to newer generations who come of age.
0: Okay, just pause. What occurs to you as you read your answer, which you wrote, I guess, is uh, August last year, twenty
2: sixteen. Um, I think of it as uh, that there's. I assign a lot of, I ascribe a lot of pride and worth in dependability.
0: In mm-hmm. others having the confidence in your
2: dependability. Yeah. Yes.
0: And consistency.
2: Yes. Right? And um, I, I, I actually use that language quite a bit in conversation. It's just like second nature almost. Okay.
0: As I read the phrases, I may not say things they want to hear. hmm What do you what are you saying with that?
2: Um I have trouble just kinda I think glossing over things so that people feel good all the time. And so when people ask me for advice or my point of view, um, or if I think something's not going in the right direction, I tend to speak my mind. I mean, I, I don't think ever disrespectfully, but I think sometimes people may, may not want to hear it in the moment, but I feel like it's my duty to, to at least say what's on my mind.
0: So there's there's a duty in there. There's a, yeah. there's aspirational values. Now I want to bring your attention to this phrase: "I want to age." Say that sentence again.
2: I want to age with grace while staying as close as I can to newer generations who come of age. What does grace mean? Um, I think I think uh, grace. Uh, one one way I would describe it as um. You, you don't, you, you sweat the things that matter, but don't always carry it around with you.
0: What, what is the relationship between one who feels guilt around things like not being perceived as dependable and grace? What's the relationship How does someone who is aging with grace respond to those feelings?
2: I, I think two answers. One, just an acknowledgement that um, 100% scoring on that is is not possible, especially in, in this line of work. Um, and then two is to continue, continually be careful or or thoughtful about what commitments I do make. um, So that at least at the point of decision um, I've thought about, do I want to commit to that? Mm -hmm. Even if it's small.
0: And, and if you, uh, what, what, what does a person with who's aging with grace do if uh, they can't make a commitment
2: I think they they say that they say hmm. you know and and I say this to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs or investors who send over opportunities you know this this looks great or you're doing everything right and I can't I don't feel conviction in in this arena because of this and it could be because I don't know this arena um, and that I want to be a friend on the sidelines cheering and that I it's not something. I've gotten conviction and or, or feel strongly about getting involved in right now. And and most people take that great.
0: Yeah, it sounds beautiful. Can you give a word or two as an adjective that would describe that behavior?
2: I think I think it's a it's a brief response where the the audience feels like you've listened to them.
0: Yeah. To convey to them the sense of that you've listened. Yes. Right? So, words that occur to me are humility, um, words like uh, a little self deprecating loving kindness, a little kind of humor about my own self, an awareness that they may be carrying kinds of feelings that are complex. And I don't know that I gave you this feeling, but when I, I love the metaphor that you had of me clapping you on the back, slapping you on the back, and giving you a sense that it's okay. I understand. I am with you. And you're, now you're smiling.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Right?
0: You know, I, I, I would I – would, my reaction in reading that section – is yeah. I read so much into the word, into the phrase age with grace mm.
2: yeah, you know when I wrote it um, I don't know if I really thought about it that much I know honest. I think I thought about the first part of that um, but yeah, no yeah. Um,
0: yeah, sometimes the most interesting things are the lines we think are just throwaway lines these are your words not mine It's like when you go into therapy and the therapist says, tell me about the dream. And and then you say, oh, no, by the way, there was this. (laughs) And it's like, well, we're going to focus on that little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Even the phrase age with grace to me speaks to becoming an adult, Mm -hmm. speaks to becoming a more full human. Which is really the, the question was designed to induce what would it mean? to live into the fullness of your humanity. And it means, in a sense, based on your words, going beyond the need, the guilt-driven need to be dependable, consistent, reliable, stepping into the enjoyment of being dependable, reliable, right, and really fully feeling that. Not motivated necessarily by how people will feel about you. Mm. And then from
2: that place, age with grace. Mm. I mean, it sounds great. I think I I need to think more about that line, too, because you you picked up on it. And I I I've never even thought about it that way, to be Mm. honest. Um, So I know I wrote the words. Um and I don't know what I was thinking at the time.
0: Okay. Let's go to the second question.
2: Sure. Uh second question is what kind of father do I want to be? And my answer was, uh I want to spend as much time uh with them, my kids, uh, as I can without the need or pressure to be doing something specific in each moment, uh, just being around each other. I want to foster a home culture where a family takes trips together, is look forward to hanging out together where family members help others without prompting. Uh, I want to be a father who lets my kids make the little mistakes they'll eventually learn from and to be a reliable, reliable, strong resource for them as they mature and encounter life's great challenges.
0: I want you to reread that last sentence.
2: Um, I want to be a father who lets my kids make the little mistakes they'll eventually learn from and to be a reliable, strong resource for them as they mature and encounter life's greater challenges.
0: What occurs to you?
2: Um, that the word reliable. Yeah. And strong resource is the same um, as we talked about in the work context.
0: It's the same as dependable, perhaps?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. How about this one? Who lets my kids make the little mistakes? Yep. Sounds very yep. graceful.
2: Yes, I mean, uh, aspirational, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, and there, there's definitely a very clear work context to that in, in the relationship with founders as well. Same uh, Um So one of the things that I do tactically with the founders that I do partner with is as they go on to think about raising uh, large institutional capital, I'm lucky to have a network of a lot of those folks who deploy large institutional capital who are good mm-hmm. friends and I send them around to what I call, quote, friendly fire. And what I, what I basically say is, look, this is a safe meeting. You're going to get tough feedback. Take notes and let's go over it. And um, what I find is that they kind of do the interaction of that dialogue and going through it is very similar to this dialogue that we're having now, where they almost like they read their notes over and we go over it and they it starts to like click in. So rather than me saying, um, you know, Hey, Izzy, you need to clean up your toys this way, this way, and this way. It's more like, well, let's watch a couple YouTube videos of like how these little girls organize their room. Like, which ones do you like? And she kind of guides herself there. And what I find is that it's, it's more effective for me to help to frame things for other people and then let themselves guide guide them to the answer than, than me saying, well, this is, you know, you can do X, Y, or Z, like you got to choose one. So
0: what advice would you give yourself as it relates to the questions of being flaky and anchoring from that same vantage point?
2: Yeah. the, The flaky part would be, is that, um, at the at the top end of where where you make little commitments or to say hey I'm going to meet Jerry for coffee, think about it before you agree to it. You know, re- really maybe take a breath and and I have been doing that to say is is this elevating to the point where um, I can make the time for it and also the bandwidth, um, you know, because I may have the time and I may not be in a place where I can concentrate on that. Uh, I have a lot of meeting requests where. I'm trying to close something, and people will say, "Can you meet this week?" And I'll just say, honestly, I'm trying to close something, and I have the time, but I don't have the bandwidth. I won't be present. On the anchoring piece, um, you know th- that that is almost like a whole separate podcast around um, like prove, proving that you may be a good, you know better than average investor. I think what I find in a lot of like uh, people correct me or or sort of like help me not tilt too far in this direction. But uh, I kind of feel like a lot of the hoops you have to jump through to convince people that you could be a systematically good investor. They don't really want to hear the truth of it. And the truth is so raw and and so simple. Um, and, and you know, I'll, I'll say to people at the bar, you know, my friends at the bar, and they'll be like, oh, totally, but don't 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 say that. <laughs> and it's it's hard not to say that sometimes when people ask all these analytical questions about how did you know this and how did you know that? And um, truth is, you just kind of have a you know intuition about something and trust it.
0: Sounds like good fatherly advice to someone who is struggling to establish themselves as the man they want to be, the investor so what, they want to be.
2: So what I've thought about in investment context and where I've reached a point of zen is that what can I control and what can I control? I, I can control the generation of flow of people that come into my orbit, um, that people want to introduce me to, that people reach out to me, and so on. And I can control to a degree when I want to lean in and partner with somebody or commit to somebody to helping them. Um, And after that, after the point of generation and and sort of selection and decision, um, there I've just made a commitment and a lot of the future is out of my hands. Um, And so I've I've really focused on the selection piece of when I'm meeting somebody, trying to think as deeply and quickly as possible, do I want to work with this person? Um, and, and can I be, can I be helpful in a tactical sense as well? Right. Um, and, and, and letting, and letting all the drama around, around everything sort of focus on that point and then letting go.
0: What's the graceful parenting way to be with the parts of you that struggle with this?
2: Yeah. This I learned from, from Maples, um, Mike Maples, Mike Maples. Yeah. Where he said it's, um, and I believe this very deeply, it's not a deal flow business. It's a people flow business. Mm -hmm. And I just focus on meeting people through other people, through other people and getting to know them. And, you know, I used to be a bartender in New York city. So I dealt with all sorts of people four nights a week. And so I like, The collision of meeting people um and then it's just fun to meet great people that you start to think about after the meeting so it's a lot of fun um not going to get it right all the time but i try to at least let my decisions be at least 51 percent intuitive versus analytical
0: and maybe even leaning into slapping people on the back and letting them know that they're okay
2: yeah i think that um
0: like a good bartender would
2: yeah, I think that you know what i I think with the the founders I work with, they're all, you know for the most part, working 25 hours a day, yeah, and so sometimes, um, the realization can hit that like things may not work out the way they did, and that I just try to like I try to help them find the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the, you know, quote job. I don't want to call it a job, but a lot of the role is that as well. Um, it's just kind of saying, hey, what about this and what about that, and um, you know, just it, it's in a lot of these cases the founders letting you into their deal. It's not you, mm-hmm. you investing in them, so you're you're sort of indebted in that way mm-hmm. uh, to help out.
0: I love that uh, framing that you've just given. And and by the way, I love the fact, I didn't know this fact about you, about being a bartender, which explains the bar metaphors. (laughs) Um, And um, my wish is that uh, when you struggle with self-definition and the guilt, that you could give to yourself what you are offering others. I think that if you do that, what I have learned over my life, and I'll speak as the elder brother whose three children are adults. When I have given that to myself, I counterintuitively have given it to my children. Hmm. So rather than telling them they should forgive themselves the little mistakes, when I have forgiven myself, the little mistakes I have modeled for them forgiving themselves little mistakes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's a, it's a modeling. It's a modeling. Yeah.
0: And we do that as good investors. We do that as good conciliaries, right? That beautiful Italian word for counselor, the conciliary, right? To be there with grace, dignity, Means modeling it for ourselves. Yeah, so we're a flake. Yeah, so we all we kind of all making it up as we go along. We're all just taking in the data day by day. Or I can beat myself
2: up forever, or I can let it go. Does this resonate? Yeah, and I I feel like for the mo- most part I feel good that I'm I'm there. Mm-hmm. That I've I've done enough of the biz quote business now, where I know that a lot of the decisions are random,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that um, you just you know it's a luxury to be able to pick people that you want to work with, mm-hmm. and so it there's just a lot of good fortune in that, and it's non monetary fortune. Yeah, um, and so I just I'm I'm happy about that.
0: Yeah, Amen, brother. Well, I want to thank you for this conversation. It's it's really been a blast. And, and you know, to be able to go back and revisit, um, I think, was really powerful. Um, yeah. And I want to thank you for the openness with which you approached the whole conversation.
2: Yeah, thanks. I don't think I would have read it the same way unless you were kind of over my shoulder uh, uh-huh. reading it, because I, I kind of go, go over the words pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, that's all right. One of the things Jerry does is he makes people slow down. <laughs> Yeah. So it was a blast, my friend. Thank you very, very much.
2: Thank you so much, Jerry.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations and leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? a critical mistake that entrepreneurs make is not thinking about their board of directors early enough. And this is why we created Reboot Your Board, a four-day self-guided practical skills course all about managing your board via the wisdom of Jerry, Fred Wilson, and Brad Feld. Now, this course is for any company of any size, including those who haven't yet taken investment. And over the course of four days worth of rich content, we take you through the practical challenges of growing and developing a high-functioning board. The board relationship doesn't have to be a challenge. In fact, it can be one of the most rewarding aspects of a leadership journey. And when done well, the board CEO partnership can help each party grow and become the best possible person they can be. Be sure to get started on our Reboot Your Board course at Rebootyourboard.com.